This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. Welcome to another edition of Alumni Allowed. We are here with Paul Schweigert. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So you've, you've had a little bit of a different path than some of our guests. You did not finish your PhD at the CUNY Grad Center. So when did you realize that academia wasn't right for you? And was it a difficult decision, decision to drop out of the history department? So I remember kind of exactly when it was. It was at the Society for French Historical Studies conference in Montreal in April of 2014, I think. I had given a talk that morning that, you know, okay, didn't, you know, crickets. Um, and then, so I was kind of a little bummed about that. And that evening they had the reception, um, at like, you know, so there were like, like a couple hundred people in this giant room, you know, whining and dining and that kind of thing. And I'd gotten there early, was talking to a few people. I remember kind of sitting there thinking, you know, this isn't for me. Um, I just kind of had the realization like in the middle of a conversation. So I excused myself. I kind of left, found like some little diner out in like the outskirts of Montreal, had some greasy eggs. It's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it took me a while to kind of, you know, but that was kind of when I had like the, I just kind of, it just something just clicked at me at that point in time. I was like, this isn't for me. So yeah, it kind of came all at once there. Was it a difficult decision to, to drop out once once you had that epiphany at the conference in Montreal? It was, I mean, it wasn't difficult. It was more difficult to figure out. I mean, so when you're in a program, I feel like you know what you're working towards. And once I decided that I didn't kind of want to, you know, finish the degree and, you know, and do history, it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And that, I think, was the hardest thing is figuring out kind of what did I want to do because, you know, it was... I had spent, I don't know, six or seven years at that point working towards something that I wasn't going to do anymore. So I think that was the hardest part of moving on was like actually making a decision. Okay, what am I going to do now and how am I going to support myself outside of, you know, teaching, which I've been doing for six or seven years. So the big challenge was the change up. So figuring out what you were going to do next. So when did you first make the decision to pursue a career in the private sector? And what steps did you take along your path to end up as a senior software engineer at IBM? Yep. So I had, so when I was an undergrad, I was actually originally a mathematics major. I switched to history kind of about halfway through. I still got a minor in mathematics and, you know, still had some of those skills. So I'd always kind of had, I guess, a little bit of regret that I hadn't gone down that path. And so that was kind of what I decided that I wanted to do is that I wanted to go back and at the time I was really interested in kind of mathematical modeling. Um, you know, how do you take mathematics and numbers and statistics and build a predictive model out of it? I said, okay, so that sounds like fun. So how am I going to do that? Um, coming from someone who has, you know, a degree in history, um, they don't, you know, quantitative places don't tend to hire a lot of, you know, historians. Um, and what ended up doing is actually this neat thing at the Graduate Center that you can take courses at other schools throughout CUNY um, if your advisor signs off on it. And so I actually took a whole bunch of 
or retook a whole bunch of undergraduate mathematics courses um, to basically kind of start working through the prereqs. Um, so I basically figured, okay, like I need to have some kind of mathematics or you know, STEM type degree to do this. I looked around. CUNY, there were a bunch of kind of, you could get, um, you know, managed in applied mathematics at a couple of schools at CUNY. So I was like, okay, so let me go take some classes, start building up kind of the, the knowledge base so I can kind of make that transition. And so I was kind of fully prepared, like I'm going to go earn another degree, um, spend some time, you know, and then, you know, get the degree and then come out and find a job. And so I think I did that for about a year. And at some point, I got an, an email from um, the professional services office that IBM was coming recruiting for marketing. I was like, okay, like, I know IBM. My dad worked for IBM. I'd like to work there. So, you know, I crafted a resume. You know, Jenny helped me kind of get, get a resume together, did the interview, applied, talked to three different people, ran through my background. They decided, okay, we'll hire you as an intern. So that kind of answered that question for me. So that's kind of how I got in. So how did I go from an intern to a senior software engineer? When I got hired in marketing, I was hired as what they called an analytics consultant, which was essentially doing um, you know, basic kind of statistical analyses on kind of static data. So you have a big table of data, you know, you do some, you know, find the mean of this column, find the, you know, the median of that column, minimums and maximums and try to make you know, business decisions based on some of the statistical insights that you're, you're pulling out. So I did that for a while, you know, I did an internship, um, you know, we did an intern project that summer. I did well on that, um, got hired full-time that fall and started out kind of doing those same things. But, you know, that I really wanted to get more into kind of like the, the modeling aspect of it. And so, you know, while I was, it was basically like I had a project, you know, I could have done it like a simple way but I decided like, okay, well, I'm going to learn Python and I'm going to write this up in a script that I can then automate and use to build some kind of model off of it, you know, do some modeling on the data. I started kind of teaching that, learning that in my spare time. And as a result of that, I got picked up actually for a different project that needed those skill sets where we were doing some kind of, you know, real big data analyses on um, paid media data, so like display banner ads and that kind of thing. And so that got me kind of into the data science realm proper. So worked on that project for a while. Um, in the course of doing that, turns out that what was needed kind of for that was less of the analytics and more of the programming side, uh, particularly a lot of kind of, you know, platformy type work. So I ended up moving from that project actually into our platform engineering team at IBM. So instead of, you know, writing the models, I was writing the platform that the models ran on top of. So that got me into, um, uh, you know, a bunch of ways to run software, especially distributed software at scale, started learning about containers and Kubernetes and, and you know, cloud native software and that kind of thing, which is ultimately kind of what moved me to where I am now, where I pretty much work um, out in the open source um, cloud native world kind of exclusively. So in things like Kubernetes and Knative and, and projects like that, that are for building kind of cloud first software. So yeah, that's kind of how I, you know, got from point A to point B a lot of looking for, you know, taking my kind of what my current role was, what do I want to add onto this, learning that stuff, and then kind of finding an opportunity where I could do that, which kind of helped me kind of advance up the ladder there.
So it all started when you discovered you have this passion for mathematical modeling and you took advantage of CUNY's resources to sort of expand your credentials. And then you you found an opportunity, uh, had Jenny at the career office help you out. And then you got into IBM and just successfully worked on project after project and to, to get to where you are today. But while you were on that path, were there any other career options that you considered? Um, not really. I mean, I, I mean, I, I would think like kind of within, um, you know, computer science, like I looked at different ways, like I thought about going, you know, more hardcore kind of analytics or statistical, um, you know, there's all, all kinds of things within software development, there's like front end and back end, but I really just kind of, you know, I took what I had or where I was. And then if there was something kind of tangential to it that I was interested in, I tried to learn about it and then see if I could kind of pivot into that kind of thing. So it wasn't really about kind of a whole bunch of different options. It was more kind of, okay, I've got something now that's letting me pay the bills and, you know, live in that kind of thing. Then let's see if I can add something to it. There's a kind of a direction I want to pivot in. Sounds great. So you, you had like multiple experiences in the CUNY system. You first were in the history department. You were there for uh, several years and then you also took advantage of, the mathematical courses that were available within the broader CUNY system. So what role did the Graduate Center and the CUNY system as a whole have in your intellectual development? And how did your experiences at the GC and in CUNY transform you into the software engineer that you are today? Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of a hard question to answer. Um, you know, I grew up, so to speak, at the Graduate Center. Like I came in my mid-20s and then left in my mid-30s. So I did a lot of, you know, went through a lot of, you know, life le life's lessons during that time, which so I think played kind of a large role. There's also, I mean, the other things I would say that kind of CUNY helped shape and graduate school helped shape was the idea of kind of managing multiple things at once. Like as grad students, you know, we're taking classes, we're teaching, you know, we're doing research, we're doing work study, you know, you're a research assistant for somebody. And you kind of got all those things going on all at once and you have to deliver certain things at certain times. I think that played kind of a large role that helped make me successful later on is just kind of learning how to do all that stuff in that environment. And the other piece that I'll call it is, is teaching, I think, uh, which we do a lot of at CUNY, I think also played kind of a fairly large role in kind of my development, um, you know, having to plan and take ownership of a course or multiple courses, oftentimes at multiple schools over the course of, you know, the multiple semesters that we teach, um, having to mentor students, um, speaking in public, kind of all those kinds of things, I think really helped um, me kind of develop and mature into the person that I became. So it's, it's less, I would say, you know, the intellectual piece, but like, I don't, do a lot of intellectual work these days or what I would consider intellectual work these days. But I think that said, the Graduate Center still played like a fairly large role in developing me as a person, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It was these skills that you developed uh, juggling multiple tasks when you're working as a graduate student, whether it's a research assistant, as a teacher, doing research on your own, taking classes, the sort of uh, multitasking that has to go on in that position, and also the leadership that emerges from teaching, working with students, uh, having this 
kind of large presence within a classroom. So you took those skills and you you translated them to your work at IBM. But what were some of the challenges that you encountered as you transitioned from graduate school to IBM? And how do you handle your, the uh, transition from history to STEM? Yeah, so challenges transitioning. Um, I'd say the first one that I experienced, particularly when I was interning, was that I was the only intern over 30. So kind of the age difference going back into kind of like entry level positions was a bit of a shock and just kind of something you have to kind of make your peace with. Like I went from being, you know, 10 to 15 years older than everybody that I was teaching to, you know, working for people who were, you know, 10 years younger than me. So that was, took a bit of getting used to just in terms of kind of resetting the mental model a bit. So that was one challenge. Um, the other kind of challenge was particularly from someone who didn't do like an undergraduate or a graduate degree in computer science. Like I always kind of feel like there are things that either I don't know or, you know, a background that I'm missing or that I have to go out there and learn because, you know, I assume that everybody else knows all of these things. So that, that can be a challenge. Um, you know, I think one of the ways to mitigate that one um, is to remember that, you know, particularly after you're at it, you know, after you've been at it for a while, a lot of people don't remember everything they learned in school. Um, and so, you know, you may not have experienced it or, but because you've had to go out and relearn some of these things or learn these things for the first time, um, you know, it, it kind of helps you because you have to kind of really focus on what's important for the, the thing that you're doing. Also requires a little, you know, a lot of work to do that. So that's kind of, you know, playing catch up or kind of making up for lost time, so to speak, was another challenge. Moving from the humanities to STEM, that was, that was interesting. It really kind of required a, you know, really kind of a mentality shift in that, you know, because I mean, they're just very different. I mean, there are things like, you know, there's the digital humanities, which are kind of similar to some of the stuff that, you know, the, 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 the quantitative work that I did, but it was really more about well, I mean, they're just, they're just different. And it just, it took a lot of having to go out and, you know, learn and just really kind of retrain myself. It was basically kind of like starting from scratch to a certain degree, which was not easy, but, you know, we were in school for, you know, <clears throat> as long as we were, you know, learning things is not necessarily a difficult task for, for, for grad students. Um, you know, finding the time can be a little bit more of a challenge, but it was just one of those kind of had to buckle down, um, you know, take things slow, know you don't know everything, and just kind of work your way up a little bit. So, yeah, not not easy, but, you know, I, I feel it's been worth it. So it, you face challenges with the age relation going from teaching younger students to having to work for uh, younger coworkers, and then this kind of this challenge of not having the same educational background as many of your coworkers, and then the kind of the, the general challenge of transitioning from working humanities, which comes with one uh, mode of research and kind of type of reasoning to a different type of reasoning and a use of that reasoning within STEM and, and, and difference from being at a graduate school to being at a uh, workplace uh, that is not a school is also kind of, it seems like a challenge that you faced. So with all these challenges that you've overcome, what would you recommend to current graduate students interested in pursuing a career in the private sector? Oh, one, 
know, if, it, if it's something you want to do or you've decided it's time to, to make that choice, like get started soon. Sometimes I kick myself for waiting as long as I did. Um, but, you know, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say like, you know, I dropped out. Um, it made sense for me. Um, so if it's something that you want to do, you know, don't feel bad about it. Nobody cares that you didn't finish. Um, so that's, that's one thing I would say is don't, don't be afraid. If you decide that you don't want to keep going down that route that you're on, definitely don't be afraid. The other kind of, I guess, more practical advice, like if you're looking to get into the private sector, I can speak, you know, more for kind of like, you know, the, the programming and development side. Um, but I think it's probably applies more generally. Like one of the, the good things to do, I would think at first is, you know, even before you're ready to start applying for jobs, is just look at what postings are out there and what skills are in demand. You know, a lot of times you know, people are trying to hire for specific skill sets. Um, and if you look at, you know, 20 or 30 or 50 or 60 of these postings, you begin to see some trends and see kind of what's hot. So if you're trying to learn a new skill or pick something up, this can kind of help key you into, you know, what's hot in the market, um, which I think is just, you know, good advice. <clears throat> The other thing, particularly, you know, for someone who's kind of transitioning from something academic-y to something more industry or private sector focused, is look at ways you can kind of start to either network or build some kind of eminence, um, you know, writing blog posts, you know, if there's a topic, you know, if you're, you know, super into like building like, you know, you know, running technology at home, like you really like Raspberry Pis and like building stuff with that, like start a blog and write about it showing that you're like you started like you know i want to learn like how to be like a network administrator like start a blog and write about the things that you're learning one it shows commitment to you know you've probably been writing for a while so you're probably pretty good at it um and three it's you know something you can point to um kind of on either a resume or a job application like yeah like you know i've done some things in this sense um but you're not just like this blank slate you know, walking that you have some kind of knowledge or can show, you know, some kind of knowledge about something. Similarly, like if, you know, software development is your thing, open source, um, there's tons of project out there on GitHub and, and GitLab and other places that are looking for people to come in and contribute part-time, you know, an open source contribution or two in your resume. People love it. It's, it's public work. You get to work with great developers. Um, so that's, you know, <clears throat> another thing you can look at. Um, is getting involved in open source, um, kind of even as you know, you know, part time, you know, like a little bit of work here, you know, it, it begins to show again that you can write code, that you can develop, you can work with people, you can release things, um, and then thirdly, like local meetups or that kind of thing, you know, meet people in person. Like if you're, you know, interested in, you know, technology, find some technology meetups, go meet people, network. You know, it's often a way to kind of find jobs as well. And then the the third recommendation, which is one that I, I hate to give, but you kind of have to, is that if, if you want to get into software development at all, start with, as they say, grinding leak code. Um, you know, algorithm tests, these online algorithm tests, a place like leak code and hacker rank. Um, you just got to start drilling them. Um, most of the applications these days will involve some kind of coding interview where you have like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to write some algorithm. Um, there's you know, a bunch of websites online that have practice problems, but you basically just kind of have to drill it, which can be a job in and of itself. Um, but yeah, if you want to get into software development, that's, you know, start learning your algorithm, start learning your data structures and start practicing them would be fairly important. Well, that all sounds like some uh, really great advice. 
And I just want to thank you so much for joining us on Alumni Aloud. Uh, any final word? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting. I went back and listened to a few of these um, before. It's interesting to hear kind of everybody's stories and, you know, the different paths that people have taken. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us.